Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 237. It sounds very simple, but when we first started a long time ago, it didn't really have any business experience or anything, and we just had this dream, and, and it was, we just couldn't get it off the ground kind of thing, and we just came out to be bit by bit, bit by bit, and that's what works for me. I, order, However big the project is, I just say bit by bit. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today, I am so excited to introduce a very special guest, Ted Wilkinson. Ted, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I sure am. I can just imagine the air blowing through my blowing through my hair. <laughs> well, you're lucky you have hair to have air blow through, unlike me, <laughs> so I'm a little jealous. <laughs> Ted Wilkinson opened Wilkinson's Automobilia in Vancouver, British Columbia back in 1988. After 26 years operating his storefront and online business with his wife, Lorraine, they closed the retail store to focus solely on their online business, eAutomobilia.com. eAutomobilia offers automotive treasures, literature, collectibles, models, books, shop manuals, posters, artwork, clothing, and much more for us enthusiasts and people around the world. Ted's goal is to offer the broadest selection of automobilia anywhere. Ted's also a rally driver and a mechanic, and he's competed in local pro rallies in his 250-horsepower 1980 Toyota Corolla. So, Ted, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share some more about your history, your business, your interests, and, of course, your passion for automobiles and automobilia? Thanks a lot, Mark, for having me on your show. It's great. And, uh, yeah, well, I guess I started a long time ago with uh, my brother. He bought a brand-new 1966 Mustang GT. I think that was the spark, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's 17 years older than I am. And here's my older brother kind of rolling up in this brand new car so and then you know i guess like just like any other kid you know we had bicycles and you moved up to motorcycles and then always dreamed of cars and i have another brother who was uh into cars uh and uh all that uh we used to do car things all the time yeah it was uh i don't know it just gets into your blood you know my dad <laughs> <It> does <laughs> my dad doesn't care about cars at all you know like they're just a b transportation but <laughs> he ended up having a few boys that were totally 
car nuts, you know? Yeah. So it went on from there. Uh, we uh, we played with, uh, that was the, the 1980s or so, and we were playing with Toyota Land Cruiser with small block Chevys and 426 Hemis and things stuffed in them, and we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. It sounds like it. How did you evolve through time into opening your store? I mean, your store's been around. It's kind of a, a Vancouver landmark, if you will, amongst us automobile folks. How did that come about? My brother Bill and I used to go around looking at for used books for on cars, mm-hmm. and we'd travel. When we travel, we'd always go to the used bookstores, and we're always looking for information because it was before the internet. If you want to know about cars, how are you going to learn? You need to read books. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then I moved to Toronto, and there was this uh, bookstore called DRB Motors, and uh, I couldn't believe it. It was an automotive bookstore, and so when my brother came to visit me, I treated him. I said, "Look what he found," and uh, so. Blew his brains, and then when we moved out to Vancouver, we said, "Let's let's start up an automotive bookstore." Cool, very cool. Well, you just made a a big bold decision to close your storefront and go completely online, and we may talk about that a little bit more as we go along. But what the, what has that that move been like for you? Well, we're actually right in the middle of it as we speak. I'm packing up the store, moving into a warehouse. Uh, we'll be moving into our new spot at the beginning of May. And uh, yeah, it's just uh, after 26 years, it's been a long time and really, really enjoyed it. It's been a great time. Um, the business has changed quite a lot. The internet is a pretty formidable competitor in many ways. And uh, the expense of running a, a full store with all the staff and everything, um, it just wasn't viable anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we've decided just to kind of, and I kind of want to semi-retire. Uh, don't want to work as many days as I used to. want to play with the real cars. <laughs> Good for you. So uh, it's uh, a lot of work, though, because we, I don't know, uh, uh, you've seen our store, but the inside is, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. Yes. It is completely, completely full. So we're working hard. We've given ourselves a month to do the whole move. Well, good for you. Well, congratulations. It's a big move, but I think it uh, will prove to be the right move in the long run. And uh, I wish you all the best. I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote. And this is some type of a saying that's been important in your life. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on cars, yeah? So, Ted, take the wheel. Well, it sounds very simple. But when we first started a long time ago, it didn't really have any business experience or anything. And we just had this dream. And, and it was, we just couldn't get it off the ground kind of thing. And we just came out to be bit by bit, bit by bit. And that's what works for me. Or however big the project is, I just say bit by bit. So <laughs> that's... <laughs> That's my inspiration. I just go, if, if it's a big, huge thing and I want to turn away the other way, I just kind of go bit by bit. If I just, you know, it's like in a restoration, right? Yes. If you look at the whole thing, it's just too overwhelming. But you say, look, today I'm just going to take off that carburetor and take it apart. Yeah. I had a guest on Cars Yeah that said the same thing, that if you're restoring a vehicle, the best thing is if it's getting overwhelming, just do one little thing every day. Just go out and even if it's just clean apart, like you said, take a carburetor off the car. Set it on the bench. Okay, I did something today. And I've always told my kids when they felt overwhelmed, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time, bit, yeah. bit, bit by bit. So I think that's a, a great saying. Absolutely. You talked about that day that your brother rolled up in that new Mustang. Is there a moment in time in your life that pivotal moment when you really knew you were a car guy? Oh, boy. You know, I think it was probably the first time I got to drive, probably. I'm thinking. We used to live uh, in the eastern townships of Montreal, and uh, not too far away, there was these dirt roads. 
And my brother, uh, Bill, not the one that had the Mustang, but another one, he had a, a believe it or not, an R8 Gordini, uh, not a Gordini, just an R8 mm-hmm. uh, Renault. And he said, hey, let's go out and you can try driving the car. And so, it, you know, it was highly illegal because I was probably only 14 or something like that. <laughs> and uh, But there's this is country roads, dirt country roads. And I don't know, there was just something absolutely magical about being in a car and uh, being in control, driving. It was just wonderful. Yeah. And I, you know, and then again, I think it's also innate. You know, you just kind of either really turns you on or it doesn't. And I've been lucky. It's turned me on. Yeah, absolutely. And my son was eight years old. We were up on a, a friend's farm and they had an old VW Beetle. And I said, Blake, you want to drive a car? And we put some pillows behind him and underneath him. And he kind of had to reach down to, to you know, get to the pedals. But uh, he went driving down that dirt road. And yeah, the smile on his face was from ear to ear. So that feeling of freedom and he, he didn't want to stop. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I know how you felt that day. What I'd love to do now, Ted, is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and crawl under the hood and ask you to share with us a huge challenge or even a great failure that you faced in your career. But the most important part of this has to do with how did you overcome that situation? And even more so, what did you learn from that? Yeah, I think, I don't know, uh, lots of challenges. But I And I still think back to this when the first time, the first rally we went to, um, which is down in Washington, and uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the rally right now. But anyways, uh, it was our first one. We we had uh, acquired this uh, 1980 Toyota Corolla factory rally car, 250 horsepower, 9,000 RPM, wow. super tricked out car. Yeah. And um, I had up until then just done TSD rallies in, in Cortinas, like old Cortinas and things, you know, with, you know, 80 horsepower. Mm-hmm. This was 250 horsepower. And, of course, I have lots of books. So I go in the store and I'm reading how the cars of the time, what, what, what the road tests were, what the rally tests were like. And I, I was getting pretty intimidated. Like these, this car was the top of its game in, in 1980. So we go to the, to the first rally. And of course you don't know what's going on or anything else. And you don't know how to prepare the car. Well, I mean, we just didn't know a lot of people and, uh, it was just really overwhelming. And then of course the rally starts and you got to get out there and we did it. We did it. You know, it was just like, uh, and then you get out there and it's just unbelievable bliss drifting down, a road sideways at 70 miles an hour. <laughs> I and, would think uh, so. Jeez. That was, I think, one of the biggest challenges to get that going. You know, you, you got to sometimes be careful what you put your mind on because it'll, you'll make it happen, you know. And, uh, <laughs> it, it'll get you in good places. It'll also get you in bad places. And fortunately for us, it turned out to be a good place. That must have been incredible because I, I watch videos. I've never done that type of driving. I've done vintage racing on road courses, but I've never done rallying. And you watch the videos of those guys, especially the pros, absolutely insane. <laughs> it's just, I, I sit there and go, oh my gosh. It's just, um, you're you're walking that thin edge all the time. That first experience you had was was there a sense of that, or did you just kind of throttle back a bit and try to get the feel of the car, or were there moments when you just went, what am I doing? <laughs> there was definitely moments, what am I doing? I remember, because the car, first of all, we had really old tires, so they didn't work well, and the car had, uh, the Panhard rod uh, was a little bit loose, the Heim joints on it, mm-hmm. and the rear suspension was, so it was kind of rear end steering a little bit more than it should. <laughs> and we were going down one of the roads, and it was one of the famous passes. Oh, I can't, don't, can't remember the, the name of the rally. Uh, and uh, anyways, we're going down, we're probably going 70 miles an hour, and the car's just meandering about a foot 
on either side and I wasn't controlling it. You know what I mean? Like oh, it was just yeah. doing it on itself and trees and everything else. So that was pretty intimidating. Uh, but once we got that all fixed up and had our first rally under the belt, uh, our belt, it was just, I'm telling you, there's nothing more blissful than, uh, than doing it. I mean, it's, it's just a, a fantastic thing, but it's, it's very hard. I mean, it's, it's a, I wouldn't say it's an old man's game that much. I mean, you have to concentrate and you know, you're out, early in the morning and sometimes late into the night and mm-hmm. it's it's awesome it's awesome what was the biggest lesson you learned from that first experience again uh, putting your mind to it uh, just having a dream uh, making it happen doing it bit by bit it was just like hey we can do this there's only here in canada at the time there was only 120 people that had a a, a rally license and and i was one of them you know wow and i think it's it kind of pushes you or, or i don't know the experience kind of showed us that when I say us, because you, I was always working with a co-driver mm-hmm. or somebody else, you know, right. uh, and uh, uh, it, it pushed us to higher, le- higher than we thought we could probably initially thought we would go, you know. Sure, yeah. And uh, we, had, we had a lot of fun. I it mean, sounds and, like it. Yeah, we, uh, I guess our top, uh, we ended up, because we were racing in the ni- in like late 90s and early uh, 2000s, and, and uh our car was 20 years old at that time, and we were racing against newer cars, four-wheel drive cars. Ours is rear-wheel drive, two-wheel, two-wheel drive. And uh, we got a top a top 10 in a national event, and I was wow. so thrilled. You know, like, holy cow, this yeah. old battle axe of a, of a car, and we did fairly well. So Very cool. Sounds like a lot of fun. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum, and I'd love for you to share one of those aha moments in your career and your life. It's It's a time, I like to say, when... The headlights came on and illuminated your way for a new direction. Tell us the steps that you took to turn your aha moment into your success. Well, you know, I was uh, when we first started the business. Uh, again, we weren't uh, businessmen. My dad wasn't particularly a businessman or anything like that. We didn't have a lot of experience, and I had fortunately worked in a garage beforehand and learned a little bit about taking care of customers. And uh, when I got my own business, that was it. You know, you you just kind of go, wow, if, if we just take care of these guys, they're just going to keep coming back and back and back. And that's the only way we can do it. And, uh, and not that we didn't do it at first, but we realized uh, after probably six months that, you know, if we give really good customer service, that that's going to be the biggest thing that we can do, along with all the other things. You know, you have to have displays done well and, you know, design and, and lots of inventory and, and many other things. But really, it's always been the customer service part of what we do. And that's actually the part that I really enjoy the most as well, um, taking care of somebody. And it doesn't matter if the guy's got 20 cents to spend or, or $2,000 to spend. You know, you get the same level of service in, in our store. Uh, we appreciate it. And it's it's amazing to me how uh, when you go into a store that a lot of places, they don't even say hello to you, you know, like, so yes. <laughs> that's an important thing. So that's one of our big things that for us in our company that we always kind of went, aha, we got to make sure we take care of these customers. Absolutely. You know, there's a great book, uh, Tony Sow, who started Zappos, which of course is owned by Amazon now. They were gobbled up, but uh, that was a key with him. And that's, it's so, it comes across in that book so important. He was just selling shoes originally, which, okay, everybody sells shoes, but he was doing it online. So he had to overcome the obstacle of how to get people to try them on. But the other key with his business was, exemplary customer care. We're going to treat people, everybody, like they're the king. And it really worked for him. I think in 10 years, he ended up with a billion-dollar company. He sold to Amazon. So uh, customer service is so key. It's becoming more and more and more important. Thank goodness companies are figuring that out, especially now with the Internet. When somebody has a bad experience, they can post a, 
a post on Facebook and say, don't fly that airline or don't go to that hotel. And it can have far-reaching issues for the company. So very important. Great lesson. How about proudest moments? I would assume you've had many in your career. Is there one in particular that stands out for you? I think it just happened just recently, actually. It was about a a week or so ago. And at the store, I've I've always kind of liked to take, uh, what we say, boys to men in a way and uh, hired young guys and help them kind of find their way and and help mentor them and teach them about customer service, teach them about business and being on time and doing all the things that you have to do. So it's always one of my, I always look forward to that. You know, some young guy who had a little bit of an interest in cars and come in and say, hey, you want to work here? And they go, yeah, wow, thank you. And you give them an opportunity and and see how they flourish. And anyway, so about uh, a a week ago, uh, we were last few days of the store and this lady comes up. And she says, "I'd like to introduce myself." She says, uh, "I'm I'm uh, Theo's mom, you know, and and uh, I just want to thank you so much for being there and taking care of him and and uh, mentoring him and all that stuff." Yeah, and I was like, "Wow, that was so nice for her to drive across the city and and take the time to to say that to me." So I think that I, I'm very proud of that. Uh, uh, it's great to be able to uh, to uh, give back. Fantastic, absolutely. Let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special car? And if you could share a memory you had with that vehicle. Well, it's kind of a weird thing. We, uh, I used to live back east, and uh, my, my brother Bill and I would go on, we'll call it automotive adventures, and one of the one was uh, Lime Rock. I was going down for business, and I said, look, I'm going to be down in that area. Why don't you drive down, and we'll meet at Lime Rock. We were living in the same city at the time. They said, yeah, we'll go to the vintage races. And so we went there, and spectacular experience because it was our first vintage race so it was probably probably in the 1986 seven or something like that Mm -hmm. and anyways i saw all the lotus guys were getting together and there was a lotus 20 and there was a lotus alan and there was a lotus elite and anyways i saw the alan and i went wow that's such a cool car i hadn't really had any experience most of my experience has been with american cars up to that point and i saw that car and i really just got really excited about it by the way just a little side story when we were there a guy drove into the infield in a Ferrari 250 LM, all beat up. There was a piece of wood holding the passenger seat in. Oh, gosh. And he just hopped out of the car. This was like an, an original condition car. Yeah. 250 LM. We could not believe it. And just hopped out of the car, left the keys in the car, and went and watched the racing on the side. I mean, it was like, oh, my God. Anyways, so I saw the land there, come back to work and tell my boss about it. He says, you know what? He says, my neighbor, about 20 miles away, he's selling his Lotus Elan. I went, no way. So anyways, so Lotus Elan was really the, the, the first car that kind of really got me uh, thinking, well, this is kind of cool. And then I ended up buying that car. And matter of fact, 30 some odd years later, I still have that car. You still have it. What year is it? 67. 67. Cool. Yeah, Very cool. Yeah, I have, a, I have a good friend down in San Diego who has one of those, and he actually rode home from the hospital in that car. His father bought it and shipped it over, and wow. uh, when he was born, he's about my age, mid-50s, and when he was born, his father and mother went, or his mother was already at the hospital, obviously, but his father went to the hospital, and he rode home on the floor of that car, <laughs> and eventually his father gave it to him, so he still has it to this day, so... Cool. Very cool. 
How about seller's remorse? Is there a car that you've let go that you really wish you could have back in your garage? Well, I had a 1966 uh, Renault Alpine A110. Ooh. Uh, and uh, not too many of those in North America. No. And uh, I had a customer who had it in Toronto, and he used to come visit me at the store. And I said, look, uh, if you ever want to sell it, let me know. You know, And years and years go by, and then one time, yep, I'll sell it. And, of course, I didn't have any money. and But we had arrangements. And uh, uh, he said, well, look, you can pay me over the next two years. And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> So anyways, we had the car for, um, and I say we, because my brother and I own the store together, and so we, we purchased it together. But about 10 years after we had it, uh, my brother said, oh, I've had enough of doing business and everything else. I want to go back into, call it civilian life. And uh, so we sold the car because he was moving away a little bit. And, and so that's the car. Yeah. Uh, it was a totally cool car. Uh, you know, there's probably, I don't know, my guess at the time, there was probably 10 or 15 in North America. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so a rare car and, and a really cool car. Absolutely. Now, here's a, a new question I've started asking here on Cars Yeah. Is there a vehicle that you bought in the past that pretty much after you bought it, you thought, what was I thinking? Well, I bought a, a 2004 Pontiac Aztec. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And what were you thinking? <laughs> it was cheap. <laughs> ah, okay. Okay. Yeah, you know, and I, when I see those cars, I think of that TV series Breaking Bad, you know. <laughs> yeah, those are uh, interesting vehicles there, Ted. Okay. But believe it or not, it's a great family car. Is it? Okay, good. It does all the job, and it's like our truck, right? Now. We're, we actually still own it, and we're using it. It's on its last legs, but we're going to be using it for the big move here to move yeah. to our warehouse. So it uh, it does its job. It's, it's, and I bought it for $3,000, so what are you going to do? Yeah, well, it's definitely uh, one of those interesting design projects that um, Pontiac did <laughs> <laughs> back in the day, so... Oh, good. Well, always, that, that's a good new question. I'll keep asking people that. How about current projects? Is there something, and I, I assume maybe we'll talk a little bit more here about this transition you're making, but a current project you're working on right now that really has you excited and fired up? Well, I've been working on my Lotus Elan uh, to restore it. I've restored it a number of times over the years, but this is the final really big one. Mm-hmm. So that's what's really getting me excited. And and then I came across uh, a 1973 Porsche 911. And uh, so that's get me really excited because i haven't owned i've worked on porsches before but i haven't owned one and um so uh, yeah i mean both of those projects are you know after i don't know if it's ever happened to you but sometimes you kind of burn out of the uh, automotive uh thing and uh, because i do a lot of stuff and you know i stopped reading as much as i used to about cars and everything and i don't know i got the the 911 and it just got me all excited again you know very cool yeah you know i'm reading everything i can about them and trying to figure out and so, yeah, I like the history and everything. And so uh, it's it's a good spark uh, for oh, sure. Oh, absolutely. And for your first venture into owning a Porsche, boy, you picked a great one. The long hoods, the late uh, mid-70s there, and, of course, the 73, the last of that, that era model. You picked the right car, definitely a car that's uh, escalating in value, but more importantly, a really fun car to drive. So I think you're going to have a lot of fun with that car. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Ted. If you were a car... Not the kind of car you want to be, but if you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? Well, I, you know, sad to say, I, 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 choose, I choose my Lotus Land because maybe that's why it clicked with me when I first saw it. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's, it's a small car. I'm not a big guy. I'm a small guy. Uh, it's uh, relatively fast and quick, and I've always kind of been, been like that a little bit and uh, impatient and all that kind of stuff. 
And it's good looking. You know, it's just like me. <laughs> there, there you go. I like it. Very fun. So Ted, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, here's a word from our Cars Yeah sponsor. Carpe Viem. Seize the road. It's the motto at carpegear.com, where you'll find the Little Red Racing Car, an award-winning book written and illustrated by passionate car guy Dwight Knowlton. It's a spectacular way to introduce children to the love of cars. It's an international award winner, and Yahoo Autos calls it the best kid's book ever. Plus, it's printed in the USA. I may be an adult, but this kid loves the Little Red Racing Car. Dwight is finishing a second book in collaboration with Sir Sterling Moss about the story of his record-breaking win of the 1955 Mille Miglia. Check out Dwight's Carpe Diem brand where you can find his books, shirts, and more that embrace his seize-the-road philosophy. Enjoy Carpe Diem at carpegear.com and be sure to sign up for his newsletter while you're there. That's carpegear.com, C-A-R-P-E, gear.com. Okay, Ted, we're back and we're entering the last lap. And you've raced before. You know what that means. The white flag's out. It's time to really put our foot down. And this is a series of questions I'm going to ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So are you ready? Yep. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Bigger is not better. I mean, I'd have to say I remember way back when working on uh, V8s, Chev V8s, and everybody was putting like 850 double pumpers and everything like that. And they worked like crap you know and if you <laughs> put the right size carburetor on or whatever it is it works really well yeah so bigger's not better there you go would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success over the years i would say just the, my inner kind of thought process that says yes i can yes i can um believing it can be done i mean that's it's so easy to kind of uh shrink to your fears or let those negative thoughts get in and so that, that's what I do. I say, yes, I can. Yes, I can. And, and it's done me well. I love it. Obviously, it has. Do you have a resource that you'd like to share with the Car Show listeners you think they would enjoy? Maybe it's a website or a supplier or a blog? Well, up here in, around Vancouver, uh, there's these guys that set up uh, classic car adventures. And uh, they just do a great job. And, and what they do is they, they, uh, they're expanding now, but they started off with what we call the spring thaw, mm-hmm. and um, it's about a thousand kilometers of driving. And we start off a three-day drive, and uh, it's just they just put on a great event, and we just talk cars uh, night and day, and drive wonderful roads uh, of BC. They're uh, also starting one in uh, in back in Ontario, oh, great. which I'm hoping to do, and then they're doing one in Colorado. So the name of their place is ClassicCarAdventures.com. Very uh, cool. So, uh, yeah, check them out. Sounds awesome. Now, this may be a tough question because I'm sure many books have passed through your hands. But if there's one in particular you could suggest for the Cars Yeah listeners, what would it be? Well, it's a really hard thing because I'm a bookseller. Yeah. But uh, I do like biographies. And one of my favorite biographies was uh, written by Gerald Donaldson. And it was on Gilles Villeneuve. And uh, it's called the Gilles Villeneuve, the legendary, now I'm going to forget, the legendary racer, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, it's a fantastic biography because it talks about the story, not just he went to this race and that race and da da da. I get a little bit bored of that. I love to hear about the people Mm -hmm. uh, and their lives and all the things that go around them. And Gilles Villeneuve was uh, quite a remarkable guy and sadly died way too young. But an excellent, excellent biography, and uh, I've sold really a lot. I keep selling. They're out of print now, but uh, 
anytime I get a, a used one, it, it goes pretty quickly. It sounds like a great book. You can find all these links, listeners, at carsyad.com slash Ted Wilkinson. And Ted's last name is spelled W-I-L-K-I-N-S-O-N. All right, we're up to the checkered flag here, Ted. And this last question can be a real doozy. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, but don't worry about the cost. If it's a 250LM, I'll buy it for you today. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I know what one of those just sold for, so who? that's going to be a big check. What would that vehicle be and why? I think I've always wanted an Aston Martin DB4 GT Zagato. Oh, um, oh goodness, yes. I mean, I I don't know. Way before they were... You know, I mean, they've always been valuable, but now they're stupidly valuable. But uh, for the longest time, it, it was something about the British kind of underlying engineering and so on, and the beautiful Zagato body. My brother had a, a double bubble Fiat Abarth double oh, bubble, cool uh, Zagato body, and so I guess there's always uh, a Zagato gene in the family. Yes, somewhere. I guess exactly. Yeah, those are beautiful. Well, since I'm going to buy you that car, what color would you like it to come in? It's got to be in that green. That, that green, that, yeah. That, that's not what we don't say British racing green. It's that Aston Martin yes. mossy kind of beautiful green. Oh, uh, you picked one of my favorites too. That's definitely on my top 10 list. Those are just such gorgeous cars. They have kind of another one of my favorites is the 250 short wheelbase Ferrari, and they kind of have that look to them a little bit, but they're kind of puffier, <laughs> if you will, you know, yeah. with the Zagato yeah. body. Oh, what a great choice. Beautiful car. Well, listen, Ted, you've taken me on a great ride today, and I've I've really enjoyed your stories. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey and this next big journey in your life with your business. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that Aston Martin DB4 Zagato? Well, for me, it's really drive your cars. Go out there, indulge your passion. Uh, I am, I'm a big I love the driving aspect of the cars. I mean, I love owning them. I love looking at them, working on them, but it's really the driving. Yes. Go drive. I love it. Yeah, Garage Queens, uh, I get out and drive them and share them with other people. I'm I'm leaving tomorrow to go down to La Jolla, to the La Jolla Concours, and I love going to those shows because people bring their cars out. They're there. You can talk to the owners. They share them with other people. They're doing a tour on Saturday of all these great cars driving around San Diego, La Jolla, Rancho Santa Fe. So, uh, yeah, great advice. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your business? The best way I would say is just uh, go online and our website's eautomobilia.com and uh, just hit the contact information, check out our website, and uh, hope you see something you like. Well, I think you will, listeners, see something you like. It's a great website. There are so many cool things. He's always getting in new things, so you keep going back and seeing new things. Uh, Get on his mailing list so that uh, he can send you, I think you do weekly emails, is that right? Uh, Every week or two, depending on how much stuff we get in. Yeah, get on his email list so you can be the first shoppers there to see the cool stuff that's coming in and uh, enjoy the shop. Listeners, you can find links to everything that I've shared here today at carsyad.com slash Ted Wilkinson. Just put Ted in the search box and his show notes page with all those links will pop right up. Thank you, Ted, for being so generous with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you very much, Mark. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. 
Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!